Hey, this is Timothy Brown, co-designer of the Dark Sun Universe, and you're listening to Bone, Stone, and Obsidian, the Dark Sun Podcast. So welcome to Bone, Stone, and Obsidian, the Dark Sun Podcast. I'm your host, Robert. And I'm Jesse. So last time we thought we could cram psionics into one episode, but we were so foolishly wrong. Uh, we made it from Inception through 4th edition, and for this episode, we're going to get into psionics in 5th edition. Uh, doubleheader episode, uh, our own hubris at fault. <laughs> definitely. But I mean, it's Dark Sun, so th- it figures, right? Yeah, more is better. You definitely need more, more psionics. Yeah. And more Dark Sun. <laughs> yes. So. What is going on with psionics in 5th edition, Jesse? Well, there's been kind of a hesitancy to introduce psionics in 5th edition. We're five years into this edition, and only a few small pieces have trickled in so far. This isn't to say they haven't been working on it. We've seen a lot of releases on Unearthed Arcana for things like the Mystic class and others, but only a few small pieces have actually made it to publication and certainly no psionicist class or a set of psionics as a full-fledged feature. So while the, the WotC team has said that they really want to get psionics into the game and that they are interested in doing Dark Sun, it's something that they seem to be taking their time with, which on the one hand is frustrating, but on the other hand, it's like, okay, they're going to try and make sure they do it well. So that helps to give me some hope. Yeah, yeah. At first it was like, okay, cool. They want to do this right, but now it's kind of like taking longer and longer and now i'm 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 afraid (laughs) (laughs) well we'll see um i uh recently picked up some of the the other source books that have been on the recent release schedule like ben richton's guide and there is some really good work in them so also the fact that they've done so many unearthed arcana releases means they've been collecting a ton of feedback from people for those releases every time they do ua they do a survey the next week and that means that people have been telling them here's what i didn't like here's what i didn't like So each time they do that, they get to dial it in a little more to something that a large chunk of the community might enjoy. Yeah, yeah, I think that, you know, that, but that also goes back to a lot of the things we talked about in the previous episode in that there are so many different kinds of psionics, you know, so many little different changes. And so I think a lot of it's going to depend on kind of like where you came in as to what you want out of it. And so therefore, there's going to be a whole range of people that want different things. Um, And it looks like they've sort of, nailed some of that down at least more recently but we'll talk about that when we get to it so let's sort of talk about how you know what how things kind of started with psionics in fifth edition so i think you know the first thing the first kind of clue of psionics we had i think really was the monster manual right like it had it had illithids and for illithids um and maybe a couple of other monsters that were you know psionic monsters uh classically what they basically did is they just put those monsters in and they just gave them psionics as spell-like abilities. They right. just took spells and they put them in there as psionics. Right, and we've seen some more of that. For instance, in the playable Githyanki and Githzerai character types, they have psionics as some of their special features that they can use. And of course, the psychic damage type in the player's handbook is uh, sort of a pointing in that direction as well. The idea of, okay, we well, are going to classify this this type of effect make a box for it. And so you could imagine that maybe a psychic crush power that comes out in some future supplement is going to do psychic damage. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, that was the, that was the easiest and best, uh, you know, way for them just to say there is psionic, there is psychic damage. And I think that was sort of missing previously, right? I don't know if there was really ever like a psychic damage. Yeah. There wasn't a psychic damage that I recall all the way through third edition. My knowledge of 4th edition is probably a little sketchier than it should be. I know that psionics was a power source, so I suspect mm-hmm. that psychic damage became a thing, but... Yeah, I can't remember. Horror of horrors. I didn't I didn't look at the power listings in the 4th edition Dark Sun book closely enough to see if that's a damage type. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it certainly was a power type. But with the uh, the monsters and now with the, the more recent material, what we've been seeing is that every psychic power is a small, self-contained thing. So it's like... A two-sentence write-up under the Githyanki or Githzerai saying you can activate the jump power as a psionic ability that doesn't require to use components, and once you've done so, you can't do it again until you finished a long rest. 
And that's a really familiar format. Tons of powers work that way, but they're just sort of labeling it as this is a psionic thing. And sometimes psionic things work a little differently than other forms, like a psionic version of mage hand where mm -hmm. the mage hand is invisible yeah. because it's actually telekinetic force. And so it's just mm -hmm. reflavored, but it means that it's leaning on existing rules. It's not a giant lift for you to learn everything. And I think this, this is important because it ties into their sales strategy. Jeremy Crawford has said before in, in interviews that when the team makes really big rules source books, not a lot of people buy them and use them. This was a problem for things like Magic of Incarnum and Book of Nine Swords back in third edition, for instance. Mm -hmm. They would they would make these hefty source books that are, are like, this is an entirely new rule set. But if you want to graft it into your campaign, you have to learn the entire thing. And the DM has to learn the entire thing. So what they've been doing now is giving us little bite-sized chunks of psionics. And so, oh, okay, I want to use this monster and it has one psionic power. Great. I read two lines. I know how it works. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, while I appreciate that it is easy... One of the things I always liked about Sonics is that they kind of felt different. And so these don't feel different. They feel the same as most other stuff, you know, with the, with, with the exception of those minor changes. And it kind of it brings me back uh, to the whole fourth edition issue of just kind of a, a lot of the powers, regardless of what power source they came from, feeling feeling similar. Yeah. And so that's why I, you know, personally, I, I get why why Wizards kind of going this direction. But for me personally, I want something a little bit more robust. And because Wizards hasn't really put out, you know, aside from their Unearthed Arcana over the years, we have the DMs Guild and people have put out, um, there have been several really great products that people have put out that range from Frederick Leclerc's classic psionic system for fifth edition. And what he did is he, mm -hmm. he pretty much took all the old powers from second edition and a lot from third and whatnot and converted them to fifth edition and so they have the same names and they work very similarly. And then he created a, a Scion class. I can't remember if he called it Scion Assist or Scion, mm -hmm. uh, but he created a class. And overall, I would say it's that's a really good system. If you want to check that out, it's on the DMs Guild. We'll put a link in the show notes. It didn't quite rub me. Like, I wasn't in love with it. I liked mm -hmm. it and it was cool. And I would, you know, if I was playing a game, I'd definitely play that if somebody were were wanting to use that. But I didn't love it. It didn't hit all the, didn't hit all the marks for me. Right. How about you? Have you have you taken a look at that? Yeah, it's a tremendous amount of work. I remember when he was mm -hmm. writing it because he would talk yeah. about it on some of the the Dark Sun social media groups. Mm -hmm. uh, and he even ran afoul of the limitations of DM's Guild at one point. And they said, hey, you're reprinting stuff from earlier editions verbatim and you can't do that. So he had to go through and, and rework the wording on some of the powers. Mm -hmm. And uh, it is an enormous effort. And uh, so A, props for that. Definitely. But it is also one of those things that's like, if you're going to integrate this into your game, it's a huge amount of stuff for you to, to learn and for other people to learn. Mm -hmm. And then when you get into a setting like Dark Sun, now you're saying everybody in the group has to learn it. Now, of course, your typical Dark Sun player is an aficionado and it's like, oh, of course, I did that in second edition. So that's not a problem. <laughs> but from a sales perspective, from Watsi, that's probably not the direction that they want to go. Yeah. So the the way that they have kind of gone that we've talked about is the subclasses and mm -hmm. going back to the DMs Guild, a lot of people are riffing on that. And so we have the Sorcerer seems to be the most common one that that people are making psionic oh. uh, subclasses because they already have, you know, there's already rules for your your what were they called your sorcery points. Right. And there's even rules for spell points in the, you know, the DMG that you could convert. Mm -hmm. spell slots into spell points and a lot of people have kind of done that you'll see that um those kind of things in the eberron psionics primer chris sims worked on dragon kings 5e which is not an official uh you know that's not on the dms guild it's on drive through rpg though so he converted tim brown's dragon king setting right to fifth edition and his um i think it's called the serac class in that is is which is basically the psionic class he made it a sorcerer subclass uh cat evans did a really cool crossover for Kaladne, which is the Ravenloft domain of dread that is taken from Dark Sun, mm -hmm. and she also did a, um, a sorceress conversion there. Right, right. The <laughs> Kaladne, um, I, I've got that one. I really enjoyed it, and that was a fun little loophole because, of course, you can't actually do Dark Sun products on DMs Guild yet. The license mm -hmm. isn't open, but you can do Ravenloft. So as long as she didn't explicitly say anything like half giant or sorcerer king, it was okay for her to release this material and uh, they apparently had no problems with it and it does include a, a psionic sorcerer type and i think you're right that that seems like the natural way to go especially for people who played a lot of third edition psionics 
the mm -hmm. Scion Assist or the Scion from 3rd Edition felt much like a sorcerer. You have a limited number of powers that you know, and you can use them a lot. But instead of having spell slots, you just have a pool of points, and you can totally get crazy with, I want to use 80 first-level powers today, or I want to throw everything into <laughs> making a third-level power really ginormous. So it, it, it's like, that's where the, the lifting is already done by the sorcerer class. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we ha we've had a lot of those. Some of those came out uh, a while ago. Some of them were kind of newer. Mm -hmm. But since those have all come out, we've also got the Unearthed Arcana. Yeah. And we started with the Mystic, I think, was the first way they put it out. And there's been, I think, three different versions of the Mystic. I think you're right. Um, and so they've kind of changed slightly. But the last one, I think, was put out in like 2019. So it's mm -hmm. been it's been a couple years since since that version and i like that version it it was it was relatively well received but apparently you know people had some issues and there are definitely issues with it and, right. and it, enough people had issues that that they did not feel like it had enough support to make it official a couple of the issues was like there's just power issues and then it's definitely it feels like it's very complicated like a it's, complicated yeah class. there's a lot of things going on with it uh you have to remember entire groups of powers at a time and mm -hmm. uh, the multi-classing, there were some things that people said, oh, this is really exploitable. Take like one level of Mystic and then add it to Fighter and suddenly you get the Invincible sauce. <laughs> yeah. You know? And, and uh, we know, to, to step back a second, we know that when they release on Earth Arcana and they do their surveys, if they get too low of an approval rating, they say, we need to send this back for redesign. And, or if it, they consistently get low approval ratings, that's something they'll say, okay, we need to start over and try a different design and that i think is where the mystic is now they've said okay there were things that people liked about this but overall it just never got to a point where it resonated with the crowd mm -hmm. and uh so we need to try and start over again and in that gap we saw some of the subclass releases that have come out with tasha's but the idea of a full psionic class that that's its power set and that's it's what it does they're they're obviously sort of going back to the drawing board. But I wouldn't be surprised if we see some elements of the Mystic in the future. One of the things that was interesting to me about the Mystic is that the idea of, I activate this thing and now I have this group of powers that are, are part of a bucket, reminds me of the Binder from the third edition Tome of Magic, who mm -hmm. would, you remember, bind a vestige and take on aspects of it, and then it would be like, here's a list of the five powers that you get from doing that binding. This was really interesting because it gave you sort of the, the notion that you had thematic power groups that you yeah. could buy into. And with the psionic, you might be saying, okay, there is a telepathy aspect. And if you take that aspect, you get these things that you can do telepathically. You can communicate with people up to 60 feet away as long as they have language. You don't have to have a language in common. And you can sense thoughts and you can do a mind blast that does 2d10 psychic damage or whatever, you know, form it takes. And you get sort of mm -hmm. a, a laundry list of those self-contained powers. But the the way that it was originally put for the mystic obviously is is not making the cut and i strongly suspect we're going to see something that falls back closer to to being like a spellcasting class mm -hmm. and and the mystic i felt like you know like you said it was sort of like the binder uh, which is kind of different than it had ever been but i still felt like mm -hmm. it had a good feel like i really liked the mystic and it works well, pretty well in Dark Sun. I mean, I'm still using it. I have multiple <laughs> players that are still yeah. using it. The only thing is, like, I've just basically said, you know, if you're familiar with it, uh, you pick, um, what are they called now? Your orders. You pick which order you're from. Mm -hmm. And some of the orders, uh, there's, a, there's, there's a thing called Wu Jen, and they're sort of, like, Asian-themed, but they're also very elementally focused. And right. For Dark Sun, you know, that, that doesn't really work because it kind of steals the thunder of the elemental clerics and things like that. So, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think it could be like you could use that idea if you wanted to kind of create a different sort of elemental, like high level elemental psionic multi-class. You know, like previously mm -hmm. you would just turn into a, if you, you want to be an advanced being, you would turn into an elemental, which I always thought was a little, a little like just not that great. It's kind of <laughs> so I think. Yeah, it's a little lackluster. And so I think that this could be like a cool way, like a, a cleric scion, you know, that you turned into this kind of psionic elementalist. Yeah, that, that's a pretty cool idea. The, the Wujin, of course, goes all the way back to the first edition of Oriental Adventures. Mm -hmm. I remember reading that Wujin might have actually been a mistranslation. It was supposed to be Wu Ren, but someone didn't know their Chinese well enough. Uh, <laughs> but who knows? I don't know Chinese that well either. Um, the... Uh, 
the idea of it being like a, an elemental psychic is something they they played a little bit with that, that space in in late late third edition in the complete psionic book where they mm -hmm. had like a some elemental themed powers and a, a prestige class that would let you combine sort of like a druid theme with a psionic theme but in dark sun obviously it takes on a real special resonance because of the the clerical powers so i i think yeah you're you're spot on that the mystic is a, a class from ua that has a, a really interesting vibe it feels distinct in how you play it it mm -hmm. doesn't feel like you're just playing a reskin of a fighter or a wizard or whatnot and yeah. that's always a good thing because you want to say oh i made a choice to play this new class that works in a different way and it engages with the game differently and that makes you feel like you're doing something different so wizards feel different from fighters and the mystic feels different from both yeah, and last time we were talking about when 3rd Edition came around, they added the meta-creativity discipline. Yeah. And, you know, to me, that's always felt like a little bit outside the realm of psionics. And, and they sort of continued some of that still in the mystic. And so, like, those are some of the powers that I think are still, like, like they don't feel right to me. Like, there's mm -hmm. one where, like, you can make, like, a wall of, of wood and things like that. And, like, that just feels, uh, I don't know, it just feels too external right. and for that's, that's... psionics to me you know, literally a translation of an old Wu Jen spell that lets you just conjure a wall of wood. But yeah, with psionics, they always tried to sort of shoehorn in as, oh, you imagine an object and you conjure its astral form, which is, you know, the platonic ideal. And then you use ectoplasm that you cast onto that mold in order to create it temporarily in the real world. And I'm like, that's a, a lot of word count to say, <laughs> I, I make this thing appear out of nothing. Um, right. Yeah. And and you get back to the like, okay, functionally, when I create a dagger out of ectoplasm, is it any different than a dagger that was conjured with fabricate or created with fabricator, conjured with made, you know, some sort of conjuring spell or just bought at the store? And if the answer is no, then why do I care? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So we've all played, you know, we've been playing with the mystic for years. And then we've, we've been waiting and waiting because I think I feel like it was like at least a year, maybe longer between any update for the mystic. And then all of a sudden we were hit uh, last year with another UA psionics update. Right. And this one I'm just going to go over real quickly because a lot of what was in this update was were concepts that made it into Tasha's. And the exceptions are like there were a couple of feats that didn't make it like metabolic control, Tower of Iron Will and the Wild Talent. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of, you know, I was kind of bummed that the Wild Talent didn't make it because, you know, that's a cool aspect of, of right. psionics that I really like that anybody can kind of have it yeah my counterpoint on that is you don't want wild talent to be a fully fleshed out feat that you can take until psionics are a fully understood system because a For character sure. who has a wild talent should be doing something that's distinct from just having say the magic initiate feat. yeah and the wild talent also when i was looking at it recently like it's a cool feat but it feels more like um which is an, an, another way that i like to see psionics in shadowrun you have uh, like magical adepts mm -hmm. who they're not like they're not, uh, you know, they're not full fledged spellcasters like we think of them, but they use magic to kind of power their physical body. And I, I like that aspect. And that's kind of what they turn the wild talent into, which is cool. But again, it doesn't have the like, I'm, you're not using psionic powers. You're just, you know, using the energy to make yourself a little bit better, which is right. cool, but but doesn't have the same feel either. Right. And and I think that's really more the domain of the the psychic warrior in third edition. The, the mm -hmm. character who specializes in using psychometabolism and clairsentience and whatnot to improve themselves in combat and physical adroitness. Definitely. So let's uh, let's dig into Tasha's Guide to Everything because that is where we get our first official, you know, released, published psionic subclasses. Yeah. Let's let's talk about those. Uh, so the first one was Psionic Warrior. Tell us about the Psionic Warrior. So the, the Psionic Warrior, Psy Warrior, Psy Knight, whatever you want to call it, it went through so many different uh, names during Unearthed Arcana. Dan Dillon did an, actually an interview about the design of this subclass, and he said that he was really inspired by he wanted to play Darth Vader in D&D. And the Psy Warrior does fulfill that niche. It's basically it's Definitely. a fighter subclass <laughs> that you take at third level, and then you start getting uh, a limited suite of psionic abilities in addition to all your fighting skills. So that you can do things like generate a protective field of energy around yourself or someone else so that you can reduce the damage that it takes. Or you can do extra damage when you hit with a weapon by increasing the kinetic power of your blow. Or even move an object with your mind 
you can, you know, cause your lightsaber to spring into your hand uh, instantly or, or shove a creature telekinetically. The Psy Warrior is also interesting because a lot of its powers run off of intelligence. So that's, I think, the, the, the Eldritch Knight is similar. It's a fighter that wants strength and an intelligence because it uses spells off of intelligence. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's fewer classes in this edition that run off of intelligence than there are, say, charisma. Uh, so that yeah. was probably a deliberate decision on their part was to say, hey, we'll make a class that has a reason to have a good intelligence score. And then at higher levels, the telekinetic adept powers of the Psy Warrior let it do things like uh, do giant Jedi-like leaps and uh, mm-hmm. knock people around 10 feet at a time and even get uh, resistance to psychic energy and whatnot. They also use the Psy Die mechanic, which first popped up in one of those Unearthed Arcana articles where you have a small pool of dice, and the, the size of those dice changes over your level. And when you use a psionic ability, you roll one of those dice in order to add to a roll or to determine, like, oh, I've, I've used my telekinesis to blunt the force of this blow. How much damage did I remove? Sort of like a monk's missile deflection, where you roll a die, add a modifier, and then subtract that from the damage that you took. And this went through a few iterations. They originally, when they popped up with the side eye and an arcana, I think what they were trying to do was get the idea that uh, you have sort of this pool of power, but it's kind of mm-hmm. swingy, and eventually you're going to exhaust it, and then you're down to just using your, your very basic abilities. And people didn't seem to like that, according to the feedback. Uh, so now it's more, this is your reservoir power for activating all of these abilities, but it also determines how powerful they are. So in, in that sense, they're kind of like superiority dice for the Battlemaster mm-hmm. fighter. Where you're right. like, oh, I can use this three times a day because I have three superiority dice. And as I get higher level, the dice get bigger, so the abilities get stronger. Right. So, yeah, they, they basically went back to, okay, there's a proven model here with superiority dice or bardic inspiration. Let's lean on that in order to fuel your psychic powers. The, the one beef that I have with the Psy Warrior is that it does a great job of emulating playing Darth Vader. But if you remember the Psychic Warrior from 3rd edition... They had a, a pretty robust suite of powers that they could choose yeah. from. And the idea was always that you're a fighter first, and then you're using psychic abilities to enhance your fighting ability. But the way you got there could be, I shapeshift myself, and I'm a bioshifting terror that can simulate chemicals and acid from my skin, and I can make mm-hmm. myself regenerate and control my blood flow and stuff like that. Or maybe I fight like Nightcrawler, where I'm teleporting around the battlefield and running up walls and yeah. then grabbing people and teleporting onto the ceiling with them and dropping them and then dimension dooring back to safety and things like that. And that, that is gone. You cannot do that at all. If you wanted to play a psychic warrior who was anything but Darth Vader, that has been completely removed from the field with this version. Yeah. I mean, there's always room to make more subclasses, but then at that point, like... Yeah, it, it becomes sort of like a, a question mark. Like, why didn't you build this? You know, you've used the superiority die mechanic. Why didn't you build this like the Battlemaster, where you can say, I want to get this telekinetic attack power, or I want the clairsentient ability to know that my enemy's strike is about to land and I can give him disadvantage on the attack. Or mm-hmm. I want the ability to do a misty step by spending a side eye as I do short teleports and jaunts around the battlefield, things like that. And you could give a list of maybe 15 powers or something like that. You'd have two or three powers per discipline if you use the, the discipline breakdowns from second or third edition. And that would let you have a Psy Warrior who can tap into these different things and be like, I'm a clairsentient Psy Warrior. I'm a psychometabolic Psy Warrior. Or you could mix and match and, and take combos of things that made the character that you want. So now they're, they're sort of locked into either they have to make new subclasses or they will have to revisit it and then release a new version of the Psy Warrior at some future date. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I kind of, you know, I would, I would much rather have had the ability to kind of change the way you, you know, the class feels mm-hmm. rather than just kind of being stuck into one mold, like you said, for the Darth Vader mold. Let's move on to the Soul Knife. So the Soul Knife is the rogue subclass mm-hmm. and... It, it kind of leans on the third edition Soul Knife, which is the whole meta creativity aspect of kind of creating this, these knives of psionic power. And again, you know, I, I'm just not a fan of that, but I can easily change that like in my mind to be like, well, maybe you are using the, you know, the, the psychometabolic power of psionic weaponry and you're just changing your hand into a very sharp knife instead of <laughs> kind of creating one out of psionic energy so that's not a big deal to me you know i can easily change that in my Little games body if, weaponry if I power 
Exactly. Body weaponry. Thank you. That that was the one I was looking for. Mm-hmm. And so it, it kind of uses the same psionic energy dice, although I don't know if it's specifically the same uh, as the Psy Warrior. It's a little bit different. Let's see. The Soul Knife, its main feature is the, the psychic blades, of course, where mm-hmm. you just generate this blade that uh, emits from your hand uh, that's made out of pure psychic energy. They even have an illustration of one with a pink blade. So you know, we've got some clear callback to Psylocke in the X-Men. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is not unprecedented in earlier editions of D&D. There's actually a power that does this in second edition, of all things, if you can believe it. The psychic blade power that appears in The Will and the Way for Dark mm-hmm. Sun, which is a metasionic devotion that makes a semi-tangible manifestation of your psychic attack that's shaped like a sword and is wielded like a weapon in physical combat. And it does uh, physical damage and also damages the psionic strength pool of the target. But when they got to the Soul Knife in 3rd edition, obviously they felt, oh, this is an an idea that has so much juice, we can make an entire class out of it. Mm -hmm. And um, certainly the Soul Knife Rogue is an interesting archetype because with the the psychic blades and the improvements that it gets, like the Psy-bolstered knack, where you can use your psionic energy die to improve your skills after the fact it doesn't have the sort of the broad range of abilities that some of the other rogue subclasses like the thief or the mastermind do it's really focused on a couple of things you can bolster your skills with your psychic powers and then you're a striker you move at speed around the battlefield and you stab people with your brain sword (laughs) and uh this one like the, the soul knife always had that as kind of its narrow field in earlier editions so this version isn't maybe as far afield as the Psy Warrior was. It's it's not like you're missing out on things that you could do before. There was a variant that showed up in the Complete Psionic in late 3rd edition that was a soul bow type character where you could make Uh. psychic arrows and fire them from an imaginary bow. Mm -hmm. And I I don't think that that has been revisited. But beyond that, it's pretty straightforward. I run around really quick and stab people with a psychic energy sword that I have conjured with the power of my will so does what it says on the tin (laughs) yeah and it has the the kind of ability that you had mentioned with a psychic warrior in that you can teleport around although it's not quite as much because it does take one of your uh one of your psionic energy dice in order to teleport right it is there you know at least there's 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 some some of those other callbacks which is great and then at higher levels you can kind of mask yourself with with uh, with your psychic abilities, which is cool. Mm-hmm. And then finally, at 17th level, you can sweep your psychic blades directly through a creature's mind <laughs> and deal sneak attack damage. And you can make them make a saving throw. And if they fail, they become stunned. So, you know, I, I like this class as a rogue. It definitely has a, a has some feel of, mm-hmm. of psionics. Yeah, and that that rend mind power is interesting because the saving throw at 17th level, a lot of creatures are going to make that. Creatures with legendary abilities are going to just choose to make the save. Mm-hmm. And if you're fighting something that has a strong wisdom save, it's just going it, to it's going to make that save. The DCs never get that high. But if you're attacking something that doesn't have a strong will save, like a a giant for instance, this thing can just take them out of the fight because they're stunned for one minute when you rend mm-hmm. mind on them. That's beefy. It's it's a power that feels really cool when it goes off. Yeah. And that's yeah. neat. The psychic teleportation is interesting too, because a lot of that dimension door teleport stuff, players often will use that for creative ways to get around mobility challenges. Like, oh, we're being attacked by this guy, an archer up in a tower, and he's mm-hmm. shooting arrows that explode into fireballs, but he's got 90% mm-hmm. cover and we can't get up there. Well, I just dimension door into the tower and kill him. Yeah. But the, the, uh, the soul knife doesn't quite work that way because you have to throw your knife. And then it hits a target and then you teleport there. So you can't do things like teleport to the other side of a wall freely, but it lets you move around the battlefield with ease. And if you're a Mm -hmm. good shot, maybe you can get yourself up into that tower. (laughs) Yeah, you just reminded me, literally uh, last month I was playing uh, one of my Dark Sun games and they're in Balak and uh, they were fighting during the games, during, uh, you know, the Templar Mm -hmm. um, voting elections. and and so. I, I kind of found a random map, uh, uh, an arena map, and it had it had these pillars on it. So 
the, one of the characters was like, oh, how tall is the pillar? I was like, I don't know. They look big, you know, 40 feet tall. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, cool. I teleport up there with it. And so like he was up there and the people that were fighting did not have uh, <laughs> uh, stuff that could that could reach him. So he was just raining, raining That's hell down. Super on them. Cool. So Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, and it always feels good when a player gets to use an, uh, an ability creatively like that. Some class abilities or features are, are sometimes like, wow, this is really narrow and it's only going to come up in very specific circumstances. So when you get that payoff, that always feels really good. And that's a sign of a good design choice. Yeah. So the next one, um, actually, I'm going to skip to one that didn't have a, a psionic mm-hmm. subclass that I, that I thought they were going to add one. If mm-hmm. you look at Monk, there is the way of the yeah. actual self. And I was like, oh, this is going to be a, you know, a psionic Monk, which is cool because I always thought that Monk's key is very psionic based. And so it can right. easily be used as a psionic power. Yeah, uh, totally I think that's how they were in fourth in, edition. In fourth edition. Yeah. yeah. So I was excited to look at this one, but it was not had nothing to do with psionics, really. <laughs> yeah, the the way of the astral self monk felt to me more like something related to magic of incarnum. The idea that yeah. you have these parts of your body that have innate magic, almost like chakras, I guess, and mm-hmm. you activate those in order to cause spiritual manifestations of your yourself to do things and it, it so it's like now i have four arms two of which are ghost arms <laughs> yeah. it it definitely its flavor is pretty idiosyncratic it's very eccentric sort of monk there's i'm sure some players that it will appeal to but it's one of those things where it's like you, you look at this and you're like what what niche am i filling both like in <laughs> combat and creatively yeah for sure the the thing that I was surprised we didn't see is that there was no psionic fist monk subclass because mm-hmm. that has been a common denominator since third edition. The psionic fist was a a prestige class that showed up in third edition, and then of course monks were part of the psionic power group in fourth edition. So you'd think that that's a natural fit that you would say like, okay, now your key points is also the number of psionic dice that you have in your psionic pool, and you get these psionic fighting abilities. It, yeah. it seems. Like it, it writes itself, they say, <laughs> but, um, for whatever reason, I don't know, just didn't pop up this time. Yeah. So the next one that did have psionics is the psionic, sorry, the aberrant mind sorcerer. Right. And I feel like the aberrant mind and the, the sort of aberrations and the, the aspect of, of that in the fiction is definitely kind of has a lot of psionic weight to it from previous editions. But it's something that's not really, you know, it's not tied together in Dark Sun necessarily, at least in my mm-hmm. mind. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. The psychic powers in Dark Sun are, are well established as having been part of the setting for a very, 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 very long time, going way back to Rajat and whatnot in the, the early history of the setting's lore. And since Dark Sun is a planar isolate, it's not like they were invaded by mind flayers in the distant past and psychic powers are a defensive remnant that pops up from time to time in the odd generation stemming from that. Psionic abilities are just a fact of life on Athos, and almost everything is psychic, whether it's an animal, even a plant could be psionic. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, the aberrant mind is a really cool thematic sorcerer origin, but it's not really a dark sun sort of uh, theme, partly because sorcerers have a hard time fitting into Dark Sun because magic itself, arcane magic, is supposed to be this grueling thing that you make sacrifices for, with the ultimate choice being, do you become a defiler? And uh, the sorcerer's power is just innate, so you don't have a spell book, and you don't have to study to learn magic. You just do magic. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and that sort of undercuts that theme of magic has a huge price, both the initial investment to learn it, and then the, the constant temptation to do evil with it as a defiler. But for other campaign settings, the Aberrant Mind is a really interesting look at, okay, lots of sorcerers like the Draconic Bloodline and whatnot, it's, I have this bloodline feature that's mixed in my heritage that awakened some sort of inhuman magic in me. And in this case, it's like, I don't know, my grandparents were held captive by Mind Flayers, or I have a little bit of gith in my heritage, in my past. And uh, so it definitely hits that, that sort of, okay, my, my character has a touch of strange motif that manifests itself in an unusual way. And aberrations mm-hmm. and psychic powers have been so strongly tied in D&D that that, that, yeah. you know, that fit is, is an obvious one. But it's certainly not like the first thing that I would introduce in a Dark Sun game in 5th edition. 
Definitely. I'm running two Eberron games right now, and I was mm-hmm. really hoping that someone would choose one of these psychic power subclasses, but mm-hmm. no one has, unfortunately. So oh, that's I was a kind shame. of interested to see how, how they would work out. Well, you're just going to have to kill yet. their characters until they do. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> one of the things that's interesting about the, the Aberrant Mind is it, it showed up originally in Unnoticed Arcana, and they had this really weird feature where you would cast a spell and roll a die, and depending on what you rolled, the spell might or might not function as a psionic power and that like okay i could sort of see the the idea of your character isn't in full control of these these powers because you just have this sliver of an aberrant heritage but it felt to me like the class couldn't make up its mind what was going on thematically maybe my power is Mm -hmm. psychic and maybe it's not and uh, (laughs) and i never know from moment to moment in the the final tasha's iteration you have a list of psionic spells that get added to your class instead but uh, they count as sorcerer spells for you. And then you have a bunch of uh, psychic-themed abilities like telepathic speech. And then the, the psionic sorcery is the big one where you can spend a, a sorcery points equal to the spell's level and suddenly it's a psychic power and it requires no components. Mm-hmm. Which is, that's some pretty nice juice. Like, it costs a lot, but, you know, you get hit in the middle of a silence spell and you're like, oh, well... Screw your silence spell. I'm going to make you make a really nasty concentration check. Fireball. I spend three sorcery <laughs> points. No components. I cast it without a somatic. Just But then you get into the, the same problem of, okay, is it really psionic if it's a fireball? Uh, uh. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And then a lot of the other powers that are part of that subclass are, like we've talked about, sort of related to the aberrant kind of aspects mm-hmm. of psionics. They, ha- they also get like a resistance to psionic psychic damage and advantage on saving throws against Charmed and Frightened, which, which mm-hmm. kind of makes sense with psionic stuff. Right. Um, but then as you get up higher is where you really start seeing the more aberrant stuff, uh, the 14th level powers, revelations in flesh, and you can yeah, unleash that's, aberrant truths. And so that's, that's a, you know. a, a name dripping with flavor that says body horror. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. Maybe Maybe you see like... I could see maybe some of that tied in with like the Sirlons or something like that. Mm-hmm. If you maybe wanted to, to go Dark Sun with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Revelations yeah. and Flesh, definitely. It's like you spend points and then you transform your body for 10 minutes and you get this ability. And it, and the clear implication is that like you just suddenly go blah, 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 and, and the tentacles and the fins come out. Exactly. <laughs> and then you do whatever it is you got to do. And after that, your traumatized party members are like, please don't ever do that again. And you're like, do what? I didn't do anything. <laughs> That's like the, uh, gosh, what's the, the character in, um, oh my gosh, what's the name of the show? Uh, it's where they're all the, they're superheroes and the, the one character died, but that's what he did. Like he has these tentacles that come oh, out. That oh, uh, the umbrella Academy, the umbrella Academy. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Cause they've got the, the one brother who's a, a medium. He can talk to the dead. And then the other brother is dead, but his ability was basically to turn into Cthulhu. Yeah, yeah. Definitely has that feeling to it. <laughs> yeah. And then, of course, you top it off by a, a space warping anomaly. So you basically create a tiny black hole that <laughs> sucks creatures in and takes a, a bunch of force damage. So there's really playing strongly with the themes of creatures of the far realm, things from the void beyond space, and and that you have this unnatural physiology and that at the you know desperate moments you can cause that to just come out from your body and give you these abilities but at the lower levels it's all hidden in your mind where you have you have spell knowledge that seems strange and you have the ability to activate magic but in a way that doesn't use magic to do it that's psychic instead so it's sort of a a half and half kind of implementation Mm -hmm. still definitely a sorcerer but the the theming is strongly i think the theming is more strongly aberrant as the name says than psychic that's why it's the aberrant yeah. soul not the psychic soul mhm yeah yeah that was called the psychic soul and it was slightly different um in in the in the right the original unearth arcana yeah and then they've they've changed names on stuff like that in testing before the the cyanite like i mentioned became the cyanite warrior mm-hmm. and the what is it the uh, the paladin subclass that showed up in theros originally started with a different name uh, mm-hmm. Oath of uh, Heroes, I think, got changed because they're like, well, you you don't have to be good to take this. You could be evil. <laughs> so besides the uh, the subclasses, in Tasha's, we also get a couple of psionic feats. Mm-hmm. One of them is uh, the telekinetic, 
um, which allows you to kind of move things with your mind and giving you uh, like you get it's one of those ones kind of like a half feet. So you get a bonus right. to either your intelligence, wisdom or charisma. And then you kind of have an invisible mage hand and you can telekinetically shove someone mm-hmm. using your ability modifier for whatever increase you took as part of the feat as as that ability so. right and it increases one of your mental stats intelligence wisdom or charisma so so the mm-hmm. feat's a little more powerful than half of a feat on the other end because you're limited in what stats you can improve with it mm-hmm. and then of course they have the counterpart telepathic which again you improve a mental stat and then you can talk to a creature telepathically within 60 feet and you can cast detect thoughts now an, an interesting note about these is that just like some of the other powers we talked about on monsters and character options, these are, you can cast the spell such and such, but you do it without components. So Mm -hmm. they're not enforcing a divide between psionics and magic. You could be counterspelled, or you could have one of these powers dispelled. There's there's no firewall between those in the current implementation. Uh, That's a good point. Yeah, I never thought of that. Yeah. I don't know if we're going to see something different when they get around to doing Dark Sun and, and have to really dig into psionics and say, Optional rule. You can treat any psychic effect as something that's not magic and thus can't be dispelled or counterspelled, but vice versa, you know, also applies. But that seems like a level of complexity that might be more than 5e wants to use, and it may be just one of those things that DMs decide for themselves. Yeah, I've always struggled with that. Like, I like the idea of psionics being different than magic, Mm -hmm. but, like, you get into the problem of where you have to have, like, a psionic, like, as a, as a wizard, you have to have, like, a dispel psionics and a dispel magic. Like, yeah. It just ends up taking up more of your resources for no gain, right? Like, right. if it was the same spell or whatever, then it makes sense. But maybe it's, maybe it's just harder to do on a psionic power as opposed to a magic power or something like that. Yeah, the other problem, of course, being that if your party doesn't have both, then you have no defenses against one side of the equation. And mm-hmm. if these things are treated separately and you don't have a psionic in your party, then an enemy psionic is just going to wreak havoc on you and you can't do anything to stop his powers. You just got to hope you make your saves. <laughs> yeah. So. so all in all, what, do you, what did you think about the way they handled psionics in Tasha's? Uh, I think it's, it's certainly understandable. The, from mm-hmm. a sales perspective, being able to say, okay, if a psychic power from a class or a feat can fit on a three by five card. And that's all you need to learn in order to integrate it into your campaign. Like as a DM, I could decide that I like the telepathic feat and I want that in my game, but nothing else from Tasha's comes in. And that's fine. Players only have to learn the three powers that telepathic gives them. And that's it. It's not like I I have to learn an entire book in order to use it. So definitely from that perspective of, okay, it's easy to pick up. It's easy to integrate into a game. Even as a dungeon master, if nobody's playing a side warrior, I don't need to read the side warrior because it doesn't matter to me. As opposed to third edition, where it's like, if someone is playing a psionic character, I need to know how everything psionic works because all the powers are different. PowerPoints are a thing. Augmenting is a system that didn't exist for anything else and, and so on. My overall feeling on the content is mixed. I've already mentioned, like, I think that the side warrior suffers from the trouble of boxing you into a specific niche of psychic warrior Mm -hmm. and i think some players are going to feel like they're missing out if they can't do other flavors of psychic fighting the soul knife does a good job because it's been so narrowly defined historically that the class is just continuing to do what it always did really well Mm -hmm. and then the aberrant mind is like psionics are part of its theme but the overall theme is aberrations so yeah so it sort of fits in that position but it is a little weird to say, like, I can take any sorcerer spell and now suddenly it's a psychic power. And, and like you were mentioning, you don't like meta creativity type stuff. You don't feel it fits your theme for psionics. But you could have a sorcerer who has the ability to conjure stuff and he just does it with psionics now. And mm-hmm. you can get into that weird position of maybe my sorcerer took magic initiate or whatnot and he's got cure wounds on his spell list as well. And now I've got cure wounds as a psychic power or whatnot find familiar as a psychic ability i don't know i guess maybe i have (laughs) a telepathic bond with a talking cat so overall it's like okay okay it's a pretty good start i see why they did it the way they did and and it definitely tells me like they have fallen back and reformatted their strategy in order to figure out what is a psionicist as a class gonna look like yeah that'll that'll be interesting to see with dark sun where they go with that right you, you can't do without it. But yeah, yeah, definitely hit us with your thoughts on Tasha's. 
Yeah. So, you know, previously I was just like, no, I don't want, I don't want to deal with it. I kind of looked, you know, I, I read it lightly and I, I, you know, knew the stuff from the, the other Unearthed Arcana. Mm-hmm. And so I was just like, no, but given that I've looked at this a second time, if somebody in my, one of my uh, Dark Sun games wanted to play a Psy Warrior or a Soul Knife, I would say yes. I would, I would mm-hmm. allow them to play that to A, to see how it plays, but also, you know, it does, it does, it, they do feel like psionics to me. Mm-hmm. I just want a more robust system as a whole. Yes. The aberrant mind, I would probably say no to unless they really wanted. I mean, it's like, yeah, I mean, I would say no because I, I'm just not allowing sorcerers. And so I would just right. say no. Um, it just has too much, too much to fix, I think, to make it work for me in my, in my Dark Sun game. Yeah. In Dark Sun, being able to just like, I can take everything off of the wizard list and not have to worry about defiling is, is a huge advantage. Mm-hmm. So where do you think where do you think we go from here? What do you think we see next for Psionics in fifth edition? Well, everything we've seen so far says it's probably going to be a variation of spell casting. That mm-hmm. you have psionic spells, just like the the ones that are listed for the aberrant mind, they'll say, okay, the psionicist or scion has this as their power list, and it's spells that are in the player's handbook and perhaps other sources. But it may have a unique casting method, or it may use spell points. But I think it's mostly going to lean on existing systems. They're going to try and minimize your need to learn all sorts of new stuff. It, mm-hmm. When we see a Scion in Dark Sun, there may be 24 new powers in there, but all of them are going to be formatted like spells. It's going to be like Tower of Iron Will, 5th level Abjuration. And then the Scion as a class will have that on its list, and then will have some sort of idiosyncratic way that it casts spells. For instance, mm-hmm. in my version of the Psychic Warrior that I initially wrote back when the Unearthed Arcana version dropped, I had the notion of when you activate a psionic ability, you don't use components. And we've seen that in their, their materials. But you can't activate a psychic power if you're currently charmed or frightened. And uh, the, the notion behind that is if you're not in control of your own mind, you can't access your psychic abilities. And this is sort of a a balance point against this has no components because silence spells don't stop psionics and uh, being grappled doesn't stop you from using your psychic powers. But if someone manages to get your mind into an unsteady state, suddenly your powers are off limits and you've got to get yourself under control first. So you're worrying about different things and it makes it feel like, okay, the, the things that I have to do in order to be in a state to use my powers are different than what a wizard does. The wizard is avoiding getting grappled. He's avoiding things that make it so he can't talk. He's avoiding things that are going to take away his material components or damage his arcane focus. The scion, on the other hand, is avoiding creatures or attacks that are going to impact his mind, that are going to confuse him or frighten him, because that is what really undermines his powers. You still run into the, the issue of what if this doesn't really feel like a psychic power, but that's where you curate your spell list. You say the scion gets these things on his spell list, and he has things like mind spike and telekinesis, and those obviously make sense. And then on any levels where there's gaps, where things are a little light, that's where you add new powers, and we'll almost certainly see new versions of uh, psionic abilities from prior editions, like body control and biofeedback and what have you. Mm-hmm. So I think that they're going to use a lot of existing material so that players can feel like okay if i have a scion character from this class the class itself is a a page or a page and a half maybe it has a bunch of subclasses but i only picked one so i need to learn a page from that and then all my powers are stuff that's in the player's handbook with one or two things that i picked from the new source book Mm -hmm. so yeah i think i think we'll see um you know they've given us the psionic energy die yeah, I kind of feel like they'll use more of that. Yes, uh, just to kind of give it a a more cohesive feel across all of the subclasses. I think you're right that the psionic energy die is going to be one of the things that sets psionic classes apart from other classes, and it'll likely be on the the scion in some form that augments your existing abilities or lets you activate specific abilities based on the type of scion you are. So, for instance, they might have a scion class with a telepath subclass, and then you can expend a psionic energy die in order to do a mental probe of a target that there's no equivalent spell for or what have you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, obviously whatever they end up doing with dark sun yeah. and psionics, of course. And then also, you know, I know a lot of people are sort of like, Oh, what are they going to do to it? Uh, you know, but I think they've done well. Some people have problems with the, with the Ravenloft stuff, but I think that their reimagining of it, they did well. And, I think we might see some of that, you know, a, a few changes in, in, mm-hmm. in Dark Sun if they update it. But I'm confident that they're going to take the setting to heart and, um, you know, keep aspects of it that we love. 
But what I'm also confident in is that people that don't like whatever they do with psionics, as soon as Dark Sun is open on the DMs Guild, mm-hmm. we're going to see a bunch of different options, a bunch of different yes. systems. And for sure, you'll you'll definitely find something that you like. And if you don't, well, you can always create it and put it up there. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Like with the new Van Richten's Guide, it only just recently got into the hands of customers. And someone who didn't like their new take on the domain of Mordent has already released a new interpretation that's like, here's a 5e interpretation of the old second edition version of this domain. And we're going to mm-hmm. see that all over the place with Dark Sun once the DMs Guild is open. People like you and me and all of our listeners are going to be yep. putting their mm-hmm. interpretations up there. The Watsi team has mentioned that they've even been playing Dark Sun in-house since 2016. So it's not like they haven't given this thought or, you know, don't care about it. They obviously do care about it and they're trying to get it right. But they're facing the uphill battle that we've talked about before, that every player of D&D has a different idea of psionics based on the edition that they played the most of or the, where mm-hmm. they came in. And that psionics has changed so much over each edition that there's no way to realistically hit all of them in fifth edition and satisfy everyone's mental headspace idea of what the psychic world is supposed to be. I'm very eager to see it. I don't think we're going to see it in the near, near future. There have been some releases uh, that just got mentioned, like the upcoming Feywild source book and another Strixhaven crossover with Magic the Gathering mm-hmm. have both been announced. So we know that it, that there's not anything super psionic coming through the end of this year. And of course, there's been signs pointing to a lot of other stuff coming in the future. Like we've seen Spelljammer stuff show up in Baldur's Gate 3 and Rime of the Frost Maiden. There was a nod to Planescape in Van Richten's guide. So uh, who knows what they're working on, but Psionics is not something that's going to come out in the next six months. Yep. Well, Jesse, it's been great talking with you about Psionics. It's definitely one of the aspects that I really, really love about Dark Sun. And it's one of those aspects that just has, you know, so much implication to the setting and gameplay. So I'm excited to see what they come up with. And uh, but until then, you know, I continue to use the the mystic in my games and, and we have mm-hmm. fun with it. Yeah, I uh, I actually did my own version of Psionics for 5e for Dark Sun that I ran here at the office, uh, like so many people, because we've all got our idea of of the way that we love it. And that, I think, ultimately is what the, the future is going to be, is there's going to be a baseline that this is understood where Psionics is in D&D, and then every community is going to sort of have its own take and say, that's cool, but here's the way we decided to do it. And uh, for all of the the home players and streamers out there, that's perfectly fine. You know, you get out of it what you put into it. And I could talk about this all day, obviously. <laughs> yeah, but we're running up on almost an hour here, so I think we've done again. it for tonight. Wow. Not, again, yes, yes. That, it just goes by so fast. I know. So if you want to get a hold of us, you can email us at obsidian at athis.org, and you can find us on Twitter at Obsidian Athis. Uh, where can we find you online, Jesse? And uh, you can find me on Twitter as Jesse Heinig at twitter.com. That's J-E-S-S-E-H-E-I-N-I-G at twitter.com. And I also occasionally frequent the various Facebook and Reddit Dark Sun groups. And you can find me on Twitter at Radu76, that's R-A-D-D-U-76, and uh, I will all, I'm always in the Facebook Dark Sun group. Uh, there is a Dark Sun Discord that Jesse and I are both part of as well. Oh, yes. Uh, so you can check us out there, too. So I think that's going to wrap it up for, uh, for us today on this episode of Bone, Stone, and Obsidian, episode 20, 5E Psionics. Thanks, Jesse. Fantastic. Thank you. Stone and Obsidian is hosted by the Misdirected Mark Network, the media arm of Encoded Designs.